Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the New Slant Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Newbeck, and this week, our podcast, once again, being brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. So, thank you to those guys for keeping our lights on, even as we approach a re- possible recession, even as we're all stuck in our houses. So, you know, I, we especially appreciate it during these times. Uh, with me, as always, my buddy, my pal, the number one hater of Sixers owner Joshua Harris, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how are you? Uh, feel better than I did yesterday uh, regarding the Sixers for sure, but still, it's team fuck Josh Harris all the way. <laughs> you feel better? Is there any particular reason that you feel better? Well, than th- something- well didn't he, like, he rolled back his decree that he was going to cut everyone's per- salary well, yeah well that was yesterday he did that oh, so okay why yeah well today i guess yesterday. like i i wrote about it this morning so that's where my kind of days get messed up i now i kind of recall this was happening yesterday late afternoon where I, like i wrote about it in my newsletter today so i think of it as today whereas in yesterday's newsletter i wrote about the first of you know shoe dropping of the workers salaries getting cut do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. a little off in my head because of when I've been discussing it. But yeah, well, I felt better yesterday than I did on Monday. <laughs> let's say that. Okay, so let's circle back to the beginning. And for anybody that, I mean, you're all sitting in your houses and apartments and whatever right now. So I don't know how you would have missed this story. Um, but on Monday, there's a report initially came out from Mark Stein in the New York Times. I later followed up on it and did my due diligence and all that, that Every at-will employee making over $50,000 for both not just the Sixers, but also for the New Jersey Devils, who Joshua Harris's uh, sports management group uh, also own, uh, they were asked to take, and when I say asked to take, they were told to take salary reductions of up to 20%, and that would have been through the end of their fiscal year on June 30th, so that's a a few months from now, a pretty sizable chunk of time. And to get people some perspective on like who an at-will employee is for the Sixers or for a sports franchise, it's basically the majority of employees. There are certainly people that are higher ups, whether that's front office coaching staff, that they're contract people with multiple years and, you know, they have a little more say and power within the organization your average person working in marketing working in sales communications even members of the basketball ops department for the Sixers guys like I don't know let's say player development staffers video coordinators people down to that level they're all at will employees that are liable to lose their job at at pretty much any time it's a competitive industry it's not that dissimilar as someone who covers sports to the industry that I work in, they're one and the same in that regard. So uh, basically the Sixers were saying, we're going to throw our rank and file employees into more chaos than they need to be in right now. And Seamus, I don't know if you've been impacted financially yet by everything that's going on, but you know, even as someone whose job has kept him busy 
during a very weird time, seeing them make a decision initially to ask these people to take significant pay reductions was, I will say, to put it lightly, extremely disappointing. Yeah, I wouldn't say everything's fantastic on my financial front, but I'm safe for the time being, though that could always change for literally anyone given the state of the world right now. Uh, But my heart goes out to those people. That's terrible. Uh, Even though I haven't been hit super hard yet, uh, I certainly know, you know, my best friends, family members, everyone, everyone knows someone who's getting laid off or their hours are cut or they're a service industry person who literally can't go to their job. And these people, I kind of talked about this earlier today in my the newsletter I write that these employees that they're cutting their salary aren't just these random people. They are us. They are Philadelphians. They are fans of this team. They are people we interact with when we go to the stadium and to the arena and we see them walk in the streets or we share a subway ride to them to and from the arena. They are just as much as part of this city as we are. And I am so proud of Sixers fans for legitimately bullying this billionaire douchebag into rolling back his initial plan. I'm being dead serious. Like, I like... It's great. It's it's like the one like heartwarming thing that has come from this Sixers season, other than the Christmas Day game, is that we all banded together with how much we detest this organization, with how much we loathe Josh Harris, how much we kind of are fed up with the state of the financial world uh, between the haves and the haves have-nots, where the divide has never been greater, and to look that in the face. And say, Josh Harris, fuck you. This isn't going to stand. We're going to cause a scene. We're going to make you look terrible. We're going to embarrass you. We're going to embarrass you, Josh. And look what happened. Yeah, Power know, of the people. I, I think you learn you learn more about people in these moments than you do. Much more about people in these moments than you do when everything is going smoothly. And, you know, whether that applies to the economy, the Sixer season, the people that can respond correctly and with empathy during moments of adversity, those are the people that tend to have success and that tend to, you know, like what we say, like they just get it in Philadelphia. Like you show whether you get it or not. And Josh Harris just very clearly doesn't like, look, I, I have a lot of sympathy for, there are small business owners, not just in Philadelphia, but all over the country that like, yeah, having to pay employees when your restaurant can't serve people for a month, two months, three months, whatever this is going to be, that's a situation where that might financially ruin them. And I am sympathetic to like the guy that owns a mom and pop pizza place in Philly that might go under because of this without uh, assistance or, or cutting back or laying people off or whatever it is. That's it. Like I am very sympathetic to situations like that. And a thing of a situation like this where Joshua Harris is worth billions of dollars, Michael Rubin, who was the, the vocal Fugazi, allegedly critic uh, of all this is worth multiple billions of dollars. But the best he can do initially is to say, yeah, I'm, I'm verbally opposed to this, but wouldn't put up or shut up with paying out of his own pocket to these people until uh, public backlash re- really started to turn. You know, that that says a lot to me. You very clearly, I, I know it's a, a, a lot of employees. I think that the Sixers probably have hundreds, if not over a thousand employees under their purview. And 
that is a lot of money to pay to people when revenue is not coming in. Guess what? Josh Harris has that money. Blitzer has that money. Michael Rubin has that money. The, the Sixers owner collective could very easily cover that. And you know the most obvious way that I could tell you why that is? Because as soon as backlash turned against them and they realized this wasn't going to be a palatable business decision, that they were going to suffer short and long term for making this decision, they immediately pivoted and said, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. I'm going to send a notes app apology to the biggest NBA reporter on the planet and and hand wave this away like nothing ever happened. So, you know, a, a lot of people came out and say, well, I give them credit for correcting their mistake. And it's like, well, that kind of misses the point here, dude. It's the fact that they thought this was something that they could get away with. This was not something that was going to make or break their lives or their businesses and it was only once consumers responded once fans it's it wasn't just sixers fans either i give credit to i saw people reporters from other fan bases fans from all over the country all over the world saying like dude this is fucked up and this is not okay and you can survive while still paying these people so it was only because of the public that this was possible and i hope that people realize that that this is not just a Sixers exclusive thing. There are going to be a lot of businesses and a lot of rich people who try to sell you this vision of, yeah, you know, we really need to to buckle down and we're going to take away this from you. We're going to let you have this and they'll, they'll let you have these little crumbs, but you're only enough to get by during a time that's tough, not just for those employees, but for the families, for the children that are dependent on those paychecks. So, you know, I like I just get, angrier and angrier about this because this to me this is not like a a professional reporting thing to me at this point it's about like a, just a human decency thing and they showed very little in all of this it's detestable it was disgusting and it's just a long series over the last handful of years where i've become increasingly embarrassed that i'm a fan of this franchise and i've invested so much time and money into them I will not pay. I we talked about this in the pod before. I've been a season ticket holder for the entirety of the process in the years since. And I made the decision to give up my season tickets for the upcoming 2020-2021 season just because the prices went up. And not to me personally, but other ticket reps were telling their, literally their season ticket holders, oh, we had to give up, uh, increase prices to pay the luxury tax. We have to increase prices because of Al Horford's contracts. How are you literally saying that to people? How is that a selling point? <laughs> hey, we fucked up. Our GM fucked up. Our owner fucked up. Uh, can you please help us out? Can you bail us out? Handouts? It's nonsense. I'm never paying, as long as they own the team, I'm already, this is before this, I was so out on them in terms of the ticket increase where I just felt, um, like attacked almost. I don't know what the right word is to say. Just disrespected, I should say. You felt like it was bullshit. Yeah, right I, was, I was. I was disrespected. I was disrespected. I felt. And at that time, I said, "Hey, I'm not buying another ticket to a game. I'm not buying them through StubHub because they're going to get a freaking cut of it. I'm not going to a game, and I'm fine with that. I'll go to the you know little Mike Scott Hive tailgate before, and then go home and watch it from the comfort of my living room. I will not buy an officially another piece of officially licensed merchandise from the team. I have." Closets and closets full of it. I'm stocked up. I'll buy stuff from Design Tree. I'll buy stuff from Jim Adair and Max Rapport, Step Over Tees. I'm not giving them my money if I can't do it, if I can help it. Yeah, you know, like you brought up a couple of different things there that I think are worth like 
tying into this. Number one, StubHub. It's like that to me. Is that should big, be illegal. When, that should be illegal. Well, when they are first to something, they were the first team that had the Jersey partnership. It's never a good thing. They're the first to like to have a monopoly over ticket sales for their fan base. They were the first NBA team to reduce salaries for a, a big chunk of their rank and file workforce. Like these are not things that you want to be ahead of the curve on. And while that's not the totality of their franchise and their business, like there are lots of examples of this where they don't seem to be able to read the room. And there's always some kind of issue where, you know, everyone wants to give them credit for having to walk it back and, you know, eventually reaching the right place. You shouldn't always keep, you shouldn't continue to have to make horrible publicly scrutinized mistakes to get your shit together. Like as eventually, like if, if you, if this was if the Sixers were a person that like, you know, you raise them as a parent and they grow up and they have their young, their screw ups as young kids and everybody excuses them for a while. They're figuring out who they are. It's a whole new ownership group. And you know, you live with the bumps and bruises like the Andrew Bynum trade they made obviously didn't work out in a vacuum, but I think it was like with the right spirit and so on and so forth. And like, those are things that you set aside. And then the longer this goes on where there's just mismanaged decisions and just completely avoidable screw ups. This one being one of, if not the biggest that they've had since this ownership group took over the team. It's like, well, now you guys are like proverbial adults and you've been running this team and in charge of this program for long enough that you should be able to read the room, especially as fucking billionaires that have made all this money that should understand what your workers are going through. And I got to say, Seamus, like the, the real most ridiculous part of all this is that I don't even know if they would have reversed course if Joel Embiid didn't come out and tell some prominent NBA reporters yesterday that he was standing behind the employees who got docked because there were department leaders who are contract employees, people like Elton Brand, people like Scott O'Neill, that were going to effectively sign up for this program where they're giving money back because they saw it as their duty to help out their fellow employees. And I give people like that credit. Obviously, Elton Brand has a ton of money. Joel Embiid has a ton of money for that matter. But the fact that it had to come to this point that Embiid was like passively shaming Harris and the organization, and that's part of what took it from, you know, we're going to reduce everyone's salaries to, okay, we were wrong and we have to fix this. That's fucking embarrassing, dude. One of your employees is showing you up. And I know Joel Embiid is not your average everyday Joe Schmo employee, but that's that's just a ridiculous scenario for a multiple billion dollar organization to find themselves in. I'm sure Joel Embiid cannot wait to get the hell away from this organization. And I would not be surprised if he's counting down the days to his free agency. And I do not blame him for leaving this dysfunctional group of human beings that don't have a shred of humanity in them. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick, quick break to talk uh, about exit our stage sponsor. <laughs> quick break to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be very wrong, and I know Seamus would be happy to tell you how wrong you are. 
Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Las Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. I gotta say, if you're gonna bet on stock prices, like uh, not to not to disparage our friends at Bet Online, I feel like you should just buy or sell stocks. That's just you know just a personal thing here. But but you know that's kind of besides the point here. But if you are inclined to bet on such a thing. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, all one word. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Can we bet on the next big screw up from six or Oh, yes. Let's do that. You think we can get bet online to start us a, uh, a prop on what that's going to be? Hmm. Uh, who's the first to have layoffs completely? With the Sixers or the the NBA? You're talking about has anyone done that league wide? Uh, well, I the know Celtics. There the, are... Cel- the Celtics seem almost as bad as the Sixers right now, so I can have some solace in that. Yeah, Boston, the TD Garden people look like they're in a lot of trouble. So that's. You know, obviously, thoughts out to those people. Thoughts I, I actually am. I want to talk to people around the country in, in those type of jobs. Could be a great uh, this. article for you, KN. I, I have had some people reach out to me that we'll see if anything comes together. But uh, on the Sixers front, I, I think something, and I'll, you tell me if you agree or disagree, Seamus. Sure. I think something that stood out to me is that I don't think that this scenario was all that different from the actual basketball screw-ups that they've had over the years. Like, if you look specifically at what happened with Sam Hickey and Brian Colangelo, and or Sam Hickey and Jerry Colangelo first, and eventually Brian Colangelo, where, you know, they were set on this very radical but pretty clear vision of what they wanted to do, And once enough pressure came from the public, once enough pressure came from the league internally, they were happy to just hand the franchise over to these, uh, an old man in Phoenix running the team with a Skype account, um, eventually installing his son as a GM after a sham GM search. Uh, After that son then squandered some assets and, you know, didn't I don't think he did as poorly as some people would believe, but certainly was not. Uh, <laughs> he's not at Red Auerbach, we'll put it that way. He has to resign in disgrace or part ways in disgrace after a burner scandal. And yet most, if not all, of his front office compatriots survive th- with probably the best GM opening there could have been in the league at the time, given the of all time. assets, cap space, and players that were already there. They basically didn't have an actual search. They tried to throw money at GMs who were not available that were employed by other teams around the league. And, you know, so like they just 
there doesn't seem to be a stance that they hold firm to. Harris and company seem to sway the way the wind blows. And, you know, every time they seem to be moving in a clear direction, all it takes is like one strong stand, whether that's from the NBA, the fan base, etc. And it seems like they're going to move in that direction. And that to me is like, look, you want owners to be adaptable. You don't want people who are set in their ways, but this is like the, the total opposite of that, where they're, they're so fluid that there's just, I don't think they have a clear guiding philosophy and that, that is very harmful. So were you asking me a question? (laughs) I'm saying like, do you think that on the outside, does that, is that how it comes off to you that like they do not have like one overarching belief and that they are just kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Yeah. They are chicken with their heads cut off for sure. I think. And for, uh, for those of you, we had him on, uh, last month, uh, Yaren Weitzman, uh, who's great tanking to the top book and, you know, speak to this. Uh, I think they were drawn in by Hinky's sort of, uh, fine FinTech, uh, you know, techno babble speak, and they loved the idea. It seemed hedge fundy, and then once they didn't get the immediate results that they somehow didn't foresee coming, uh, they just kind of let themselves go to the wind, and they have no idea what they've been doing for the last, you know, five years. Yeah, like I, I just, you know, I, I had a lot of hope for this ownership group when, in those early days. And maybe it's not this similar to like a where we project onto young athletes too. Like the, you see the outlines of things that are beliefs. Like okay, they they hired a GM that is committed to a, a real rebuild, which Philadelphia hadn't had with their basketball team, and really, in at least on purpose, not in decades. There were some accidental rebuilds in there that ended up with. Uh, Evan Turner. The, the only real idea. type of rebuilds, apparently. <laughs> um, but but they they intentionally tried to rebuild. And at the time, I viewed that, I know you viewed that, Seamus, as a positive thing. I know a lot of people, and which I already mentioned earlier, viewed the Andrew Bynum trade, even though it ended up pretty disastrously for Philadelphia, that that was the, the right type of home run swing to take to to get out of that land of you know first and maybe second round playoff exits if the team you're playing with the one seed suffers two devastating injuries in the same series like that that was when I think there was still a lot of goodwill for this ownership group but over the last half decade or so there's just one mistake after another like there's the medical staff is still an issue and the decisions they make with the health on the health front are just mystifying the aforementioned changes in the front office the there's just a, there doesn't seem to be one solid core value or idea that is driving this group and i don't know that you can run a success like Clearly, they've run successful businesses, and if we consider successful just making a lot of money and not necessarily what they're producing, uh, but they don't seem to be capable of taking, like we talk about all the time, 
is Brett Brown or is Joe Allen Bede or is Ben Simmons or these people that can lead the Sixers to a title. We don't really talk about is Josh Harris and is this ownership group the sort of ownership group that can empower a title team. And I just, I don't know what evidence we have that they're going to do that. Imagine Adam Silver handing the Larry OB over to Josh Harris. Repulsive, I'll take it for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's like the worst repulsive. part of every championship ceremony, by the way, is the owner getting Oh, it's the not first. even close. Disgusting. It's so, it's so bad. But like this whole thing is just... So we've, and I've brought this up on the podcast before, Seamus. Do we really believe that Joshua Harris and company are going to go deep into the luxury tax for this team if it gets to that point? Like they're already going into next year going to be like a, a very high salary team. And I like, we don't know what the impacts of this abbreviated season are going to be as it relates to the salary cap, but they might find themselves in a position where they're deep into the tax and like why would you think that a guy who is willing to slash salaries for people making as low as fifty thousand dollars a year is going to step up and say you know what for this team that has already been disappointing that i don't necessarily know can actually compete for titles do you really think that's the guy who's gonna pay deep into the luxury tax to try to win despite the hit he's going to take on the bottom line they're already acting lazy and looking for handouts from the fans, so that's definitely not a good sign by increased ticket prices. It's crazy, dude. And and to, like you feel this a lot more than I do. They're increasing ticket prices at a time where the team has been woefully short of expectations. Imagine it's disgusting. What they would do. Imagine what they would do if this team was on like a 60-win pace or they were you know, possibly competing with the Bucks for – the one seed like they would be trying to screw you out of every last dollar that they they could possibly get from you yeah it's almost this is fitting that in one of the most disappointing sixer seasons in recent memory maybe the most disappointing that i can ever remember in my you know nearly 26 years on this earth that as things fall apart on the court the curtain gets drawn back further and further and we realize how dysfunctional everything is behind the scenes. And the more we know about that, the more we realize that it's not uh, coincidental that the on-court product has suffered. Yeah, it all it all flows down from the top. And actually, you know, it's a, a thing that I just thought of. And I know some people who follow me on Twitter are aware that I am like a, a big soccer fan and I tweet a decent amount about uh, Liverpool, who's the team that I've rooted for, for I'll say most of my life now. And Okay. When at, did you start rooting for them? So I was a Steven Gerrard fan first when he was like coming up. And then I really latched on to them in the mid 2000s because i went over there to play and i got to spend a week or two in liverpool and the people there are they like liverpool reminds me a lot of philadelphia it's a lot of working class people that live and die with their team and yeah it's like it's just like a 
So that's when I really latched on to them. But I had been a fan prior to that. It's just a different sort of deal when you have like a real connection to the like the place and the people and the club versus just, you know, it's a thing on TV, which is why I've never understood people like that are from Philadelphia that are rooting for out-of-market teams. But that's that's neither here nor Don't there. Don't get me started. Um, the difference, like if, if you look at what a club like Liverpool does, the stewards who work at Liverpool games, while the English Premier League is on hiatus right now, they're being paid by Liverpool FC to go to places like grocery stores and to help with crowd control so that people can still go out and get groceries in their communities, whether they're old people, young people, people who are out of work. And so that they're doing that in a socially responsible way. And like that, the difference between that and what the Sixers are doing is just so unbelievable to me that like you have the power to help your community. You are a, a, they like to point this out in positive times. They're a fucking global brand. Like everybody knows who the Sixers are, including people all the way in China who saw fucking highlights of Allen Iverson stepping over Tyron Liu. They are a, they can help the city of Philadelphia. They can mobilize people, resources, whatever you want to do to try to help out the city of Philadelphia. And it, rather than doing that, like forget about doing that they can't even do the best thing for their own employees. And so like they can feed you whatever they want about, you know, yeah, we, we, we pivoted and we're back to everyone's getting paid what they want, but they showed their true colors. And so I don't even Seamus, I don't know if we even need to do the Rudy Gobert loser of the week this week, because I think the take a wild guess, be, buddy. The answer is going to be very, very obvious. But if you want to step up on your Joshua Harris of Apollo Global Management, which Spike Gaskin tweeted today, is up 26% despite this colossal failure from him. I'm really shocked. Shocked. Really shocked about that. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend I know how any of that works, but do you know how Apollo Global Management works? Maybe I should have taken a... I wish I could tell you, Seamus. Maybe I should have taken a business class in college. Though I did take business law, so I know all about at-will employees. There you go. You you basically are just as qualified to own the Sixers as... Uh, it was in my ninth semester, so take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, like the, the message from me, and this is not just that Sixers owners, I would say this, would, this goes out to anybody who's in a position to help. It's like, the bottom line matters, yes. But like we all need to look out for each other because that's the only way we're going to get through all this. There are going to be, unless this really turns here, and I, I really hope that it does. I, I don't know that there's evidence that it will, but you know, nothing wrong with hoping. It is going to take a lot of manpower, a lot of money, and a lot of sacrifice from people to like keep things semi-normal. You know, like we don't need to get into like politics and econ here, but like there's going to unemployment is going to be crazy. There's going to be a lot of people out of work and struggling. The people who are still able to work need to help those out. And the people who have fucking billions of dollars can save some helicopter fuel 
and help out their employees and even beyond their employees. They can just help out the communities that give them so much money when times are good and games are being played. I don't think that that's a whole lot to ask. Couldn't agree more. So that's all I got, Seamus. I'll close with this. I think billionaires should pay their own fucking stadium workers. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, Bill Simmons. Was this any... Uh, we're recording on a Wednesday, so it is any it's, given Wednesday, no, I guess. When Bill Simmons gets together with his friends on a Wednesday, <laughs> anything can happen. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Well, hopefully next week, Seamus and I, were planning to have a guest on to talk about the 2001 NBA Finals for this podcast before this snafu happened so hopefully next week we'll be back to talk about actual basketball things but until then everybody continue to self isolate to quarantine load up on food while you can support local businesses support your friends and family and above all else please stay safe and healthy stay safe all right we'll talk to you guys soon